Have you got the nerve to stand there and expect me to believe that you don't want to marry my son for his money? It's true. Then what do you want to marry him for? I want to marry him for your money. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am GamerDude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're going to have a very disjointed episode and I'm going to tell you that right up front. I had a plan earlier this week. I was going to talk about time and the passage of time. And I still may squeeze some of that in, although I may save that for another episode. It depends on how far my rant goes today. Is this going to be a ranty episode? Uh, I guess, maybe a little bit. It's not so much a rant, I guess. There's just so much going on in the world, man. And it's just depressing and exhausting and maddening on so many levels. I've touched on this in past episodes. I've talked about our country and the foundation that it was supposed to be built on. I've talked about manners. I've talked about doing the right thing. I've talked about good and bad. I've talked about this stuff a lot, and I know it. And I always try to make story time kind of a departure from our everyday lives. I like to take you back in time. I like to remind you or tell you for the first time about things the way they used to be. And I like to talk about my music and my movies and my books and my TV shows. I love to talk about that stuff. But just like you, I live in the real world, too. And I see what's going on in the world, and I process it, and I have to deal with it. I try to set that aside when I do the podcast, so I can go back in time. I try to set the real world aside when I do the Twitch stream, because I like the Twitch stream to be a nice break from reality. I like to give people a place to go and hang out and not have to worry about anything but what their favorite snack food is. And I do that because everybody needs an escape, including me. Everybody needs to step back every once in a while in order to gather themselves, in order to clear their heads, in order to take a break. Everybody needs that. But sometimes it just gets so overwhelming. Sometimes you just want to scream about it, or at least talk about it. And there's all kinds of stuff that's going on in the world these past couple of weeks that have just gotten to me. The latest, just before I started taping this, was the mass shooting in Buffalo. By the time this episode goes live, the news will be almost a week old about the 18-year-old white supremacist in body armor with an illegally modified assault rifle, an avowed and self-acknowledged white supremacist going on a mission specifically to kill black people, that'll be old news. But it weighed heavily on me as soon as I heard it, for so many reasons. First of all, the concept of white supremacy is just nonsense. It makes no sense. It literally makes no sense to me. I mean, I understand why the people who are white supremacists want to be white supremacists. They want to feel superior to everybody else. They're not, but they want to feel that way. And there's nothing that normal, average, everyday people, no matter what color they are, will ever be able to say or do to convince these people that they're morons. But they are. It's funny, when I was growing up, white supremacists used to be a target fringe group. You'd see an episode of Rockford or Magnum, or Mannix, or Hawaii Five-0, the original one. You'd see the white supremacists portrayed as this extreme fringe movement. And they were always the oddballs, and they were always subject to police investigation, and they were always brought down because they were morons, and because their position was not a good democratic position. But if you look back at some of those old TV shows and some of the old movies where the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists were just the default bad guys and they were really just a plot device, if you look back at those episodes now, they ring a whole different bell. Because there are people in political power now 
embracing these philosophies that we used to laugh at, that we used to make light of, that most of society just recognized were just wrong. It's the technology that we have now that has allowed these fringe groups, these crazies, to find each other and to form political movements and to wield more power than they otherwise would have. When I was a kid, the right-wing wingnuts wouldn't have a way to connect with each other. And so it was easy to make them a punchline in an episode of Rockford or Magnum or whatever. But nowadays, they're electing people to office and they're embracing these conspiracy theories about how white people are put upon and how they must defend themselves from this nonsensical replacement theory. That was one of the motivating factors for this Buffalo shooter. Oh yeah, he's got a whole manifesto out there talking about the oppression of white people. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And the replacement theory, which is just nonsense. It's white supremacist rhetoric, which has no basis in fact. And it's just used to incite people to do violence against people of other races for the sole purpose of advancing the quote-unquote white race. You know what? That's just dumb. And it's just wrong. It was easy to see it as a punchline back in the 70s, back in the 80s, because it was so obviously wrong. But we've taken such huge steps backwards in our public discourse these days. It's not as commonly accepted now that the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists are wingnuts who should be ignored, marginalized, and muzzled because they don't represent either the best of humanity or even the best of this country. But they've become very vocal because they've been able to band together thanks to technology. They're still the minority, but they're a very vocal minority. And we have to watch out for them. And we have to do something to make sure that nonsense doesn't take over our society. Because those are the morons who believe in fascism. They don't believe in democracy. They believe in a fascist society with an authoritarian leader telling everybody what to do and how to think and how to behave and how to live their lives. That leads me to the other thing that has bothered me in recent weeks is the Roe versus Wade thing. I don't mean to minimize it by calling it the Roe versus Wade thing. It's a crucial Supreme Court decision that guarantees privacy rights. It guarantees the right to choice. It says it's in the Constitution, and it is. Is it literally written in the Constitution? No, of course it's not. But there are dozens and dozens and dozens of things not literally written into the Constitution, but which are properly interpreted as being part of the Constitution because of the kind of document and the kind of government that the Constitution guarantees. Roe versus Wade is huge. It protects the right to abortion. It says it cannot be outlawed by the states because people have privacy interests and a right to autonomy, basically. I'm not going to go over the whole decision, but that's the basic premise. There was a leak of a decision which isn't a final decision, so there is still hope that perhaps Chief Justice Roberts can talk reason into one of these morons who is hell-bent on overturning Roe v. Wade. The overturning of Roe v. Wade is a travesty by itself. It would be the only time that I'm aware of in the 240 years of this country's history where the Supreme Court stripped rights away. The Supreme Court has reversed itself, of course, but it hasn't stripped rights away. It would be like repealing the 19th Amendment. Ah, we gave women the right to vote. We've decided that's unconstitutional. But what's happening with the Roe v. Wade decision and the abortion debate is you have a minority religious faction that wants to impose its beliefs on the entirety of society. That's all it is. Now, I've talked about religion before, and I don't care what you believe. 
You can believe whatever you want. You can worship Thor. You can worship God. You can worship Melmac the Martian for all I care. I don't care who you worship or what you believe. But when you try to impose your beliefs and your standards on my conduct or on anybody else's conduct, and you're doing so in the name of God, that's where you have a problem. That's where you violate the Constitution. You can believe what you want. You can live how you want to live. But you cannot impose your will on other people for religious reasons. That's not what this country is all about. The First Amendment guarantees the free exercise of your right to worship however you want. It does not guarantee your right to impose that exercise of your religion on other people. Now, in this country, and it depends on which poll you believe, but anywhere between 60 to 75% of the people favor abortion. And don't get me wrong, it's not all abortions. Not everybody favors all abortions. I understand that. But the vast majority of the country has no problem with the concept of abortion in appropriate circumstances. So the people who are anti-abortion, anti-choice, they make up maybe a third of the population. And that third of the population wants to impose their will on the majority of the population. And they want to do so on religious grounds. The position is not based on science. It's not based on fact. It's based on a religious belief. A religious belief, by the way, which is not supported by the Bible. It's a religious belief that they've created for themselves. And as I said, you can believe that all you want. You can believe that abortion is murder. You can believe that. Number one, as I've said in many episodes, you believing it doesn't make it so. But number two, you're allowed to believe that. You just can't make me believe it too. Just because you believe your God says that doesn't mean I have to accept it or that I have to live my life that way. And this goes back to what I was talking about just a couple minutes ago. It's this mentality that you should be able to force your will on me. It's the authoritarian, totalitarian viewpoint that one leader can impose his or her will on the majority of the population. That's not what democracy is. And that's not what this country was founded upon. This country is supposed to stand for something. It's not that. You can exercise your religion freely. You just can't infringe on my rights when doing so. The other problem that I have with the potential overruling of Roe versus Wade, well, there are several, actually. This is more of a personal thing. Three of the justices who are going to do that, assuming it happens, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, and you can throw Alito into that mix, too. They all lied in Congress during their confirmation hearings. If Alito's opinion is right, and they're agreeing to overrule Roe versus Wade, then they lied. Because during their confirmation hearings, they said, Roe is settled law. So that's perjury, and right there I have a problem with that. If you're going to lie your way onto the Supreme Court of the United States, I have a problem with that. And that leads me to the other problem that I have. As you know, I was a lawyer. I practiced law for many years. I believed in the system. I believed in people doing the right thing, doing the honorable thing. I believed that you had an obligation to be truthful under oath, to honor the rule of law, to honor precedent. If the law said one thing, you did it. If the law said another thing, you did that. If the law was changed, you revised your conduct. Believe me, I've practiced law in situations where the law has changed, and I've had to change what I've done in the past because the law changed. It happens. And going over Alito's draft decision, and again, I say draft decision because it is a draft, and it may not be the final decision. The final decision hasn't been approved. There hasn't been a final vote. This is just a draft that's been floating around since February. But reviewing the decision and seeing how carefully and hard he worked to purposely dismantle the rights that were granted by Roe, 
and to review the intellectually dishonest arguments that he made in there, and to look at some of the sources that he relied on, including 400-year-old misogynist precedent, and I'm using the term in its broadest sense because it's not precedent. It's stuff that predated the United States that he relied on. And I'm not going to bore you with all the details. You can read the decision yourself. There's a lot of analysis. And hey, we can go over that sometime in detail if you'd like to. But trust me when I tell you, this decision is contrary to anything that this Supreme Court has ever done in the past. And it represents a marked step backwards from the direction that the country and the court has gone. The Supreme Court and the country have taken strides to advance the cause of humanity at least in this country, for the most part, on a slow basis over the past 50 to 100 years. Yeah, there have been some bad decisions, but they've been corrected. But the past 10, 15 years of decisions have shown a tendency to backslide, to step back, to go a different direction than advancing humanity. This decision takes us back to 19th century thinking. It's crazy. It's crazy. And it galls me as a lawyer, and it galls me as somebody who devoted their lives to working in the law, respecting the rule of law, respecting the process, respecting the institutions. It really just guts me. It really just bothers me that this is something that the Supreme Court of the United States is considering doing. I can't begin to tell you how upsetting I find that. Now, this is on a personal level, but it's upsetting to me personally because it kind of makes a joke out of everything that I ever believed about the system. And it kind of makes a joke out of my entire career as a lawyer. That's the way it feels to me. It feels like the Supreme Court of the United States is looking at the law and going, (laughs) fuck it, we don't care. We're going to do what we want. And that's not what you're supposed to do. Boy, if I could do that, I would have done that a lot of times during the course of my career. Ah, fuck it, judge. I don't feel like doing that. That's not the way it's supposed to work. So these are just two of the things that have been really bothering me over the past couple of weeks that I just haven't been able to walk away from. They've just weighed heavily on my mind. I mean, the whole thing with critical race theory. Oh my God, what another fake outrage thing that the right wing is just foisting on the country. I mean, I'm not going to even get into the details about critical race theory today. To fully explain it would take at least 20 minutes, at least that. But critical race theory is something that came from law school back in the 70s and the 80s. It had nothing to do with grade school. It had nothing to do with teaching racism to kids. It had nothing to do with teaching white kids to hate themselves, which is one of the talking points that the right likes to throw out there. It had nothing to do with that. The critical means critical thinking. And the race theory involves institutional racism, how the system has some inherent racist aspects to it because of the foundation upon which it was built. It was made by white people, and so it favors white people. Is that hard to understand? And it's taking that recognition and applying it to the law and our other social institutions. That's as simply as I can explain it. It's far more complex than that, but it was taught in law schools, and it's still discussed in law schools. It has nothing to do with grade school. It has nothing to do with kindergarten. And if you ask anybody who's protesting about critical race theory what it is, they cannot articulate what it is because they don't know. It's another scare tactic that's being used to mobilize people to support the authoritarians who want to be in power and want to govern everybody's lives by their narrow little view of what's right and wrong. So what's the solution? I don't know what the solution is. There's no one solution. There's no switch that you can throw and fix things. It involves work by all of us. See, we live in a democracy. The United States is a democracy. It's supposed to be. Technically a democratic republic, but whatever. Democracy, the people are supposed to have the power. 
And we do, if we use it. Democracy is not the default state. It's something you have to work for. It's something you have to fight for. It's something you have to protect. And it takes time and energy to do that. One of the people I follow on Twitter and one of the people that I respect in their views and in their analysis is an attorney and a former teacher named Terry Canfield. Or Canefield, perhaps. I'm not sure how she pronounces it. I'll put a link up in the description to this episode. But she does a really good job of keeping track of the transgressions against our democratic society and has some real helpful information on how you can make a difference in protecting our democracy and keeping it functioning. And I'm going to give you a couple of the things that she suggests we can do or that you can do. But I recommend going and viewing her webpage, following her on Twitter. If you want to work to preserve our democracy, she's a wealth of information. So how do you make a difference? Well, you either run for something or at least you support somebody who you believe in in their run for something, whether it's local government, state government, or federal government. And there's nothing wrong with supporting state government because all politics is local. You've probably heard that many, many times. But starting with your school board, going up to your town council, your mayor, you've probably seen a lot of news stories about people taking over these important roles. That's because the control of the levers of government start at the state level and start at the local level. The people who count the votes, the people who work the polls, the people who are there boots on the ground at the time of an election, at the time of certifying an election, or at the time we're teaching our kids about society, those are all local positions. And you can run for them. And you can make a difference when you have those positions. That's why so many of the alt-right and the authoritarian types are trying to take over those positions at so many levels of government, in so many different counties, in so many different states. That's why they're doing it, because that's where the power is. But let's be clear, they're not doing it to make sure the right thing is being done or that democracy is being preserved. They're doing it to make sure things go their way. When I say run for something, I'm saying run for something to protect the way things work. Integrity matters, and the point of running for something is to make sure the system continues to work. So run for something so that you can be somebody to keep track of what's going on. And when you get that position, honor the institution. If you're on a school board, be a school board member to do the right thing, to protect education, to protect books, to protect rights. If you're on the election board, make sure that the votes are counted. Make sure that you try to include everybody who's eligible to vote. You don't want to strike people from voting. You want to make sure that everybody who can vote, votes. A democracy works on the power of the people, so you give the people the opportunity to voice their opinion by way of their vote. You don't run for the Board of Elections because you want to make sure your side wins. You run for the Board of election so that you make sure the election is fair and that all of the votes are counted. And that's what I mean about honoring the institution. Being on the school board is supposed to make sure that kids get educated, a full education, well-rounded, learning about everything. But you want to be involved in this stuff at this basic level so that you can make sure that our democracy is protected. Because if we don't protect our democracy, nobody else is going to do it for us. The authoritarians are going to take it over, and then we'll all pay the price for it. I guess I've been so agitated this week because I've always believed in the promise of this country. But the past few weeks, the past few months, hell, since 2016, I've been so disappointed in the way the country has gone. The past few months have just made it harder to deal with, I think, because it's just one thing after another, one thing after another, after another, after another. And it's easy to get down. 
I've had to disconnect from Twitter a few times. I've had to stop watching or reading the news because it can just get you so down. It's partly because we have so much information that's available to us these days, but it's partly because there's definitely a dark cloud on the horizon that we have to fight, that we have to be concerned with, that we have to try to beat back by any means possible. The future can be bright for all of us, regardless of your race, regardless of your gender, regardless of your religious beliefs. The future can be bright if we all work together to make it that way. But if you let the authoritarians win, the future is bright for nobody, and we all pay a price. Well, I didn't get to my discussion about time, and I did go kind of ranty this time. So, there you go. That's what you got. Mentally, it's felt like somebody dropped a box of ping pong balls in my head. Just too many things bouncing around up there. They just keep binging from side to side and bouncing all over the place. I couldn't get focused this week. Too much going on. So I appreciate you taking the time to listen to me rant today. And as always, I appreciate you being here. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. As always, I appreciate your support, and I can't thank you enough for all of the time that you spend here. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you. Bye.